Well, let's welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild. And, and Kevin, we're, we're going to keep with where we've been the last couple of weeks and with those Iowa Wild as uh, they split a weekend series with the Milwaukee Admirals, coming away with a victory on Friday, um, an outstanding 3-2 to victory, then losing overtime on Saturday. But keep a, a alive uh, a streak of seven straight games with points, and all of a sudden this club is looking pretty solid. I can't imagine there's a club right now that's hotter in the AHL, and it's been really fun to watch how this team has evolved. Well, you know, Kevin, when I was looking at a, a mid-season review of this team, one thing I was noticing was that they were not getting a lot of production out of their defensemen, beyond Joe Hicketts and Dakota Murmur's having a pretty solid season as well. But the other four guys have not really contributed much to this group, but that was not the case against Milwaukee this weekend. They, they got a lot of contributions from that defensive group. And I think that that's critical because – you know, you you need some good guys on the back line there to, to get your power play going, and that might be a reason why this power play has not been affected so far this season. You have to wonder if that's something that Jim Army addressed with the with the defensive core, and maybe that's part of their game plan was to get the get the defensemen activated better. Well, they come out of this weekend, uh, Kevin, heading into tomorrow night's competition against Rockford. In fifth place still, 43 points. They are just four points behind Milwaukee now for second place in this division. Man, I think this, this stretch down here in this central division is going to be very exciting. And a lot of fun hockey we're going to see over the next couple of months. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, people that follow this level of hockey, they, they know how big the rivalries are now with um, Manitoba, Ch Chicago, Rockford, Milwaukee, Grand Rapids. I mean, it's really, it's really fun to just watch the the divisional race as it unfolds because you know it's uh, every weekend you're it seems like you're playing against a rival because the schedule is so way towards in in division competition. So I think it's going to be. You know, it's it's good for the players too. That um, makes it easier for them to get up to play these games. So it should be a fun stretch. Well, let's talk a little bit about Friday's game. Damian Jarrell with a goal. Uh, it's for, score this first period. Damian Jarrell gets his third goal of the season, one twenty-five into the second. A pair of power play goals allow Milwaukee to come back and tie this game each time they fell behind by a goal. Uh, Nick Patan though scores when. Milwaukee takes a terrible tripping penalty. Roland McKeon uh, takes a penalty with 15 seconds left, in, 11 seconds left in the game, excuse me. Batan makes short work of the uh, extra session, scoring 20, not 27 seconds into the overtime on a beautiful setup by Joe Hicketts. One thing I did want to talk about this, you know, entering in the season, I was the guy who was totally on board with Zane McIntyre. He played very well for this team. You were the guy saying, boy, you better watch this Jesper Ball said because he's got the stuff. And he looked phenomenal Friday night. 36 a this guy really looks like he's got a bright future. And, you know, it was uh, quite the matchup because uh, Milwaukee had Yaroslav Askarov playing, who is um, highly regarded within their system. So you had you had both teams, um, you know, the Predators, the number one goalie prospect playing against the Minnesota Wild, number one goalie prospect. And, you know, the guy... Neither of them really disappointed. It was so it made for a really, really neat matchup that way. I thought, um, you know, you're the Iowa get on the board. Damian Drew, third goal of the year. Michael Milne, 
fourth or fifth. So it's good to see the third, fourth lines chipping in too. And but then in overtime, Nick Patan, the guy that they're counting on to be a veteran presence on that team, was the one that um, put the game away. On Saturday night, Marco Rossi scores a power play goal, 9.37 into the contest. Milwaukee, like they did the night before, kind of battling back each time to, to tie after uh, Iowa would take a one-goal lead. They then get a uh, one-goal edge in the third period when Zach Sanford scores 8.31 into the period. But Rossi, man, they're battling, got McIntyre on the bench, and Rossi comes up with a, a pass out in front, makes a beautiful shot to drive home the goal tying the score with 16 seconds left. They do lose in a shootout, but I thought that was pretty pivotal to come away with a point like that, especially when you get a point uh, because you score a, a goal late to, to even come away with that point. In hockey, there's always that thing, uh, especially when you used to have ties. Was it a good tie or was it a bad tie? And, you know, now I guess you could say, was it a good point or a bad point? Well, it was a good point in the eyes of the Iowa Wild end. I imagine a good point in the eyes of the parent club as Marco Rossi scored two goals. So it's um, we know we know he's a playmaker, but it's good to see that he's shooting the puck and he's getting some results. Thought it was kind of interesting. The goalie matchup was uh, Devin Cooley against um, Zane McIntyre. So they had a Denver University versus North Dakota matchup in the Nets. So NCHC hockey. The rivalry continues. Uh, a great point about Marco, Marco Rossi, too, because he enters that weekend series without points in three straight games. It comes away with two points on Friday, two goals on Saturday. You know, this is a guy, as you said, that the whole organization is looking to for him to take his game to another level. And it's nice to see that when he has a, a stretch where he's not producing very much, then all of a sudden he can click it back on and start producing for them. And it seems like they've been happy with his play, even if uh, it's not showing up in the score sheet. But I just think it's, um, you know, for a young player, they want to, you know, they want to see, they want to see the numbers, and it was good for him to score a couple goals, and maybe he gets on a roll now. Well, Iowa enters this week and technically in fifth place in the division, nineteen, fourteen, and five. Uh, they are one point behind Rockford, who they will take on on Tuesday night. Uh, Rockford is a team that is struggling, losers of four straight games. Um, these are always, you know, very tight games. But Iowa has really had Rockford's number this year, Kevin. Either four of the five games they've won or five of the six so far. And th this is an opportunity with Rockford coming to town for th them to do something. Then you got a week off. So you got to feel like this is a, a, an almost a must-win game just because you have a big break after this. Well, it's... I think Rockford has been a little shaken up, too, from the Chicago Blackhawks having to call up some of their young players, too. So, I mean, it's hard to even say who's going to be in the net for them that night because Chicago actually called up Jackson Stauber, who a Minnesota kid, I believe, and Stauber got his first NHL win against St. Louis. So... You know, it's hard to say who's even going to be in the net for Rockford, and much less who's going to be on the ice for them. So I think that's what would explain their struggles a bit. So a divisional game, you're on your own ice, you hope that they defend the, defend the ice before um, Coachella Valley comes in. 
or two games yeah, on Thursday night and on Saturday night. And I know they are, they're the, those who don't know, they are the feeder team for the Seattle Kraken. And looking at the standings here, I believe they've had a very good season. Yeah, they're 27-6-3. So, you know, I was got their work cut out for them this week with the, with the Firebirds coming in, I believe they are. Yeah, I, I think this is exciting. You're, you're getting to see a team for the very, very first time. The Valley Firebirds. I, you know, we want to give them a whatever Valley does for them. But, <laughs> but uh, the team looks very good. Seattle is playing very good up there at the NHL level. So the club is benefiting down throughout the organization, and uh, you've never seen this club before. So interesting to see what what Coach Army does to try to prepare for this club. That you know, you don't know what to see, what to expect out of a team that has such a limited history. You know, I'm looking at the roster right now. There's some familiar names. Um, Christopher Gibson and Joey DeCord have both had extensive AHL experience on their decor. Um, Jimmy Schultz was a St. Cloud State University standout. Matt Tennyson played many years for the Milwaukee Admirals. And old name for Iowa Wild fans, Gustav Olsen on the blue line. Gustav Olsen played a couple years for Iowa before being traded for for Will Bitten, and then up front, not seeing as many familiar familiar names, but obviously they are doing some pretty good stuff this year. Austin Poganski, I believe, has been around for a while. So I think it'll be a good test for Iowa. You know, you get out of the division for a couple games, so we'll know, we'll know a little more about what kind of role the Wild are in after this week. I'm liking, too, that Iowa is playing – a fairly sizable number of games against Pacific Division teams. So four against Coachella Valley. Uh, they had four against San Jose to start out the year. San Diego came to town. They'll go to San Diego in March uh, as part of a four-game trip that includes Coachella Valley. Um, so uh, I think that that's, you know, that's kind of fun. I, I like those opportunities to see what other teams look like. And um, so glad to see those games going back on the schedule again. So let's look, jump down here to the to the ECHL club, Kevin, and uh, we'll tough week for those Heartlanders out there. Toledo comes to town and didn't just win; oh, they just buried the Heartlanders. Three games, total goals was sixteen to two, and uh, and the, it wasn't difficult to figure that out because Toledo was touting that out on Twitter quite quite a bit after the weekend was over. I uh, just. 5-1 loss on Sunday, 5-0 loss on Saturday, 6-1 loss on Friday. Goaltending was, was – I, I, I don't want to just dump this all on uh, Kozlowski and, and Kaspersky because they didn't get much help uh, defensively in this. And Toledo is a very good club, not going to deny that at all. But they, they just completely outplayed this weekend. And, it's, you know, it's tough to see uh, – you know, I don't know how many times I've hopped upon how they're going to have to become a winning team if they're going to survive in this market. And I, I know it's a young team, and I know those guys are busting their rear ends, and it's probably not the best for us to just come here and crow about how bad they are. But um, but I, I mean, you've known me for years. You know how much I'm into the business side of sports, and. I just know it's just not a 
healthy business model to be in a in a basketball slash college sports market with a minor league hockey team that's just not performing very well. And frankly, I I don't know what they can do this year to turn things around, or if they even can. They might just have to bite the bullet and see if some of these younger guys can develop into quality players and see where they're at going into next year. But like I said, I know these 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 young team. These guys are proud players. Are I'm sure they're busting their butts, but right now it's just they're just being overwhelmed. You know, I, I want to discuss a point that you made a couple of weeks ago because I, I think this shows why a Toledo is coming to town and just dominating the Heartlanders. Riley McCourt, Gordy Green, these guys a couple of years ago when the pandemic was going on and a lot of ECHL teams did not play, the Toronto Maple Leafs sent these guys to Wichita to play for the the um, the season, the abbreviated season that year. Th- these guys are, are Toronto guys. Okay, I mean, they're, they're expected. Riley McCord has been up to the AHL, um, and, and I believe even had a brief time with the Maple Leafs this year, if I remember that correctly. Um, I mean, they're, they're sending players down there to help out this, uh, this Toledo club, and they're winning games. You know, Hunter Jones wasn't even on the roster this weekend. I mean, so there's nobody from the Minnesota Wild organization to help this team out. And, and, I'm, and I'm not looking to be harping on Minnesota. I understand they've had a lot of injuries and, and had needed to make a lot of swaps between them and Des Moines, but this club is not going to get better if Minnesota is not giving them any help. I and mean, right now it looks like they got nothing for them. Well, I do have to correct you on that. Mitchell Balmas did get sent down from the Iowa Wild. And <laughs> I was looking at it. He's already a captain. <laughs> His experience, uh, according to the ECHL website, is 17 games played for the Railers last season and then the three for the Heartlanders. So, you know, the guy's basically a rookie, and he's already determined to be a captain at Kind of tells you how this team is lacking for experience, but maybe Bombers will give this team a bit of a boost. And I hope that's the case. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Kevin. I I, I really hope that they're getting um, that. I mean, this is an opportunity if you're a young guy to really get in some experience here. So, so I'm I'm not gonna uh, to look at this and say, well, you know, these are wasted games. You know, it's always an audition, and you're fighting for your professional career. So. Go out there and give the very best effort that you have because you never know what that winds up turning into. And some of these guys look like there's some talent there. I, I like this mask, Michael Pastioff. Um, I, I think that he he's really, was really struggling over the last couple of weeks, but a couple of months, I really should say, about the last six weeks. Um, but he started off on fire for this team, and I and I think looks like he's turning to get a little bit of his, his swagger back to him there. Uh, there. There's some talent, I think, here. It's just when you're one guy on a line or a couple of guys on a line that are real, are, you know, have some talent and there's not as much talent around you, it, it's hard to get your scoring touch going. And I, I, like you said, I don't really know where this club goes at this point. Well, you know, at this level of hockey, an individual can't take a game over. And, you know, I know we, it seems like every week we're harping upon how bad things are going I know you, I know myself, we don't like 
happened week after week. Talk about loss after loss. I I know some people that talk hockey just like to dwell upon all the bad stuff and criticize this, criticize that. I don't. I, I would love to be positive, but right now there's just not a lot to be positive about. And I, I, I hope next week we're talking about um, the Heartlanders having a great weekend at home winning two out of three games. But right now it's just not happening for them, and I, I feel bad for the players, uh, the coaching staff, and the fans. You know, you you and I are baseball guys. So, uh, and 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 I throw that out there, not not to say that we don't like hockey. We both love hockey. This is this is probably our primary sport for both of us. But but baseball teaches us to be happy with thirty percent. You know, I mean, we're excited about a three hundred guy. You know, um, and and I and I'm you know I'm that kind of way about about teams too. I you know I'm looking for those positive things. And and again, I, I'll pat on the back. There's some guys out there that I think really have an opportunity to do something, and I think their coach has done a fine job with what he's been having the opportunity to do this year. So, uh, you know, I, I have no. Um, qualms with the job that, that's been done by the coaching staff here at all. I, I, I just think that th- this is a team that, I, I mean, I look across the roster and I'm just thinking to myself, I, I don't think that there's a premium scorer on this club right now. Zach White had a decent season last year. Cole Stallard had a decent season last year. Both of them look pretty good. They're not really producing this year, and, and I, I, think, I think they just don't have anybody around them to really help them to be uh, scorers. Um, so and, and this defensive group, a um, lot of inexperience on there. And, and I, I just, it, there's not any help for the goaltenders. There's not that great transition game coming out of the zone. And that's critical at this level. I mean, you've you got to have defensemen that find that open guy that are able to block a shot or get in, and get in the way to deflect the puck to the boards and then beat someone to the boards and battle for it and clear it out, move it three inches past the blue line so they're not in your zone anymore, that are find that guy streaking through the neutral zone and hit him flat on the tape so he gets that breakaway opportunity. There's just not that guy there on this club. And and, and I think that that's just – this team, if they win five more, eight more games this year, I'll be, I'll be stunned. Eight games, I think, is the max on this club wins down the stretch, unfortunately. I just don't want it where, you know – I listen to a lot of people talk hockey, and it seems like a lot of people, let's face it, uh, one of the most famous hockey commentators of all time is Don Cherry. And Don Cherry was someone that he didn't sugarcoat anything. He let you know what he thought about something, and whether you agreed with him or didn't agree with him, you listened because he, he told it like he thought it is. And I think a lot of these people that um, that do podcasts and shows and that they want to be the next Don Cherry. I don't want to be the next Don Cherry. I'm not trying to be, you know, Mr. Negativity. They're never going to win. They're never, you know, it's painful. It's painful to be coming out here week after week and having to be critical. But I just... I, I played with the team. Give me something to be positive about, please, because I don't want to, I don't want to talk about losses anymore. Yeah, I'm with you, and and I, you know, and and I and I played for that for fans because 
the the Heartlanders fans have, have poured their hearts out to come out there and enjoy this club and, and are paying good money to come out to these games, and they want to see a winner out there. And we want to see a winner out there for them. Uh, you know, I think if, if anybody has listened to us over the years, and whether it's in baseball or hockey, what you've learned is that we are advocates for the sports we love. And uh, and we're advocating for, for fans out there to, to you know who want to see a quality team come out there on the ice and battle hard. This team battles hard. I'm not going to deny it. They play very hard every single night. Um, but they they need that little tweak. Just you know, go out and make that one deal or something to make this team a little bit better. That's all we're looking for. Well, Kevin, their week uh, does not get any better as Fort Wayne comes to town for three games. Fort Wayne. Uh, not having, you know, their traditional season, you know, they're, they're struggling right now at 15, 14, and 6, but right in the playoff, Honda, so they are just uh, four points behind wheeling for that fourth and final spot in the Central. So, you know, every game matters to them. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for anything, I, I think if you're, you're Heartlanders players and fans, I think if you're looking for anything right now, it is to be that spoiler, to really ruin somebody else's playoff chances. So maybe this is a chance to go out and say, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe we're not even going to be close to 15 victories. But let's go out there and make hell for Fort Wayne this week. No doubt about it, because you know Fort Wayne's probably looking at the schedule thinking, hey, we're going to rack up six points this weekend and get right back into this. Um, you're right. I would need to embrace the spoiler role, because I believe that's all they can really be at this point. And, you know, I, I think uh, that can be fun. You know, I, I understand nobody likes to be on the losing side of the season. You know, these are professional athletes, but they're also guys who have played their entire lives to be winners. Some of them have championships at different levels and juniors or, or whatever. And they, they want to go out there and they want to win. And this is an opportunity to go win that game battle, to go out and say, man, we knocked off Fort Wayne this tonight, and now they're, they're six points behind Wheeling or eight points behind Wheeling or whatever. This, this is our chance to ensure that they're not making the playoffs. Then you go to Wheeling after that. Wait, this is our chance to help Fort Wayne because now we're going to crush Wheeling up when we go there. So uh, I, I think that this is a chance to have fun and enjoy what hockey is supposed to be like, which is a game that you're playing with your buddies out there, but also make – life miserable for somebody else. That's you know, fine. don't look at the season as a whole and see where you're at because it's not pretty, but just kind of look at it like um, every game is just a one-game, almost like a one-game playoff. Exactly. Very well said by you. Well, let's jump up to the big club, Kevin. Tough week out on the road last week. You can't fault losing in Carolina or losing in Florida. Tough places to go to. But win 4-2 to two in Washington, a huge victory to start the week, then go to Carolina where they lose 5-2 to two on Thursday, then go to Florida on Saturday where they drop a 5-3 contest. Two gold uh, differentials for every one of those games. I get three goals on Thursday. My apologies. But your overall thoughts for the Wild this week? It was uh, as tough as I expected. Um, I was generally surprised that they went into Washington and got a pretty, pretty good win out of that um, deal. But yeah, uh, the Hurricanes just have a ton of talent, and a while just could not um, keep up with them on Thursday night, and then uh, disappointing outing in Florida where, I'll be honest, I didn't see the game other than highlights, and I thought 
some of the goals I saw, saw were a little bit on the soft side, but, um, you know, there will be nights like that. And but it's a dad's road trip, so maybe the guys are a little distracted by all the other things going on beyond them um, playing hockey. But you hope that they can bounce back this week. Nice week for Jared Spurgeon, though. Two goals on Tuesday, a goal on Saturday. Um, you know, we're we're always looking for that guy to kind of step up and add some additional uh, goal production for him. He had a nice week for the club. And it's been a struggle, I think, for the guys in the blue line to get goals this year. Uh, uh, Jonas Brodine had his first goal of the year on on Tuesday night, it was a very, very nice goal, but I was just really surprised after he got it that it was his first of the year where he seems like he's usually good for 8-10 to 10 in the season. Gustafson goes on Tuesday and Saturday. They go with Marc-Andre Fleury on Thursday. Are you seeing this just a continual rotation back and forth for at least a month or so to ensure neither one is being overworked, but they're still getting enough work in? I think so, and I think that you'll get into March and early April. They'll they'll see if one guy is clearly ahead of the other, and that's where they'll ride for a potential playoff run. Well, they're they're still getting some some pretty solid performances from guys that have come up from the Iowa Wild. Uh, Connor Dewar had two assists on Tuesday night for the team. Uh, Matt Boldy had a goal and an assist on Saturday, I believe that it was. Um, so, you know, that they're getting the kind of, I mean, the, the, you can't complain about the way the system does develop. So as much as I may be critical of their inability to help the Iowa Heartlanders, that, that you know, they're, they're developing guys that are helping out at the NHL level. And so um, you got to like the scouting and development department for the Wild. Well, the bottom line is you want the big club to win, and that's going to be your primary focus of any professional organization is to, have guys ready and have guys prep for to help the the big club out. Um, what happens in um, what we would call your double A level is pretty inconsequential. Granted, you don't want your double A team to be that bad, but it's not going to ever really be a huge priority for the big club. So I just I'm starting to wonder. You know, Mason Shaw has not dressed in several games now. I don't know if he would have to clear waivers to go back to Iowa, but I just, unless they start slotting him into some games, I just think he's, it's not good for him to not be playing. Yeah, I always get concerned about stuff like that too, Kevin, because I've seen it so much at the ECHL level where a guy will go up for a month or, or three weeks or something, sit on the bench at the AHL team and not play, then come back to Wichita or to to. Coralville and not have any game left. I mean, you know, it, 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 the, practice just doesn't do what a game does. And, and when you're sitting on the bench all that time, never getting any action, man, I think you really stunt the growth of a player. And I, I get what you're saying, too, is that this is the NHL, this is the top level, so their job isn't to continue your growth, okay? I mean, they're expecting you to be performing um, but when you're not giving a guy a chance to play, uh, you know, what kind of development is he getting? He's never going to really materialize in a much for you, it seems like. And speaking of guys not playing, Matt Dumba was scratched for two consecutive games on the road in favor of Alex Goligoski. And no other re- reason has been given other than uh, performance. They feel that Dumba's game has slipped a bit and Goligoski has played well. So 
you know, it's a catch-22 you want to have you guys that are playing the best out there, but Minnesota knows that Matt Dumba is probably not a part of their future plans, and they may want him dealt um, by the trade deadline. Well, if he's not playing, that's just down other teams that, well, he's, this guy is not among the six best defensemen on the team. What do they really expect us to give him in exchange? So, but then if he's playing and not doing well, that also doesn't do anything for his trade value. So, kind of a tough situation right now for the wild coaching staff to try to navigate through. Minnesota enters this week 25-16-4 in third place in the Central Division, one point ahead of those hard-charging Colorado Avalanche who have won five straight games. Avalanche knocking at the door there, Kevin, as Minnesota heads to Tampa Bay on Tuesday, then comes home to take on Philadelphia on Thursday and Buffalo on Saturday. Man, none of those games are very easy. No, they're not, uh, but... I don't know, for some reason, Minnesota just really matches well with um, Tampa Bay, even on the road. It's been interesting how that's always turned out. No matter how bad the wild teams are, they seem to always go into Tampa Bay and play well. And you hope that they got the motivation of trying to win that one last game with the dads on the road trip before coming back home. Thursday night, uh, Philadelphia, you never know what you're going to get with them. So... It seems like Philadelphia has usually played pretty well in St. Paul, too. There's been a couple of years where the Wild have blown them out, but usually the Flyers give them a good battle. And then Hockey Day, Minnesota, the Saturday night, where it seems like the Wild have always played well on Hockey Day. I forget if they've – I don't think they've lost maybe three or four games um, in the history of Hockey Day, which dates back to, I believe, like 2006 – 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. So, uh, Buffalo's coming in. Uh, um, Wild didn't um, couldn't see the match of firepower out in Buffalo, but maybe it'll be a different story getting them in St. Paul. Yeah, interesting matchups too, Kevin. Like you said, Tampa Bay 17-4 and one at home this season. That, that's ridiculous. Buffalo 12-7-1 on the road. Philadelphia 10-9 and six on the road. So all these clubs are winning, uh, have winning records where they're going to be playing. So um, Philadelphia and Buffalo winning records on the road. Tampa Bay were ridiculously good at home this season. So very, very tough week for the club. Um, as you, this is the end of January. The last games of January is just uh, heading out here. The team has, I think, played overall fairly well. I, you know, I, I don't fault losing in a place like Carolina or Florida. Um, even loss in Buffalo in the shoot in the overtime early on in the season. Now, those are tough games, and uh, you know it's it's not easy to win anywhere in the road in the NHL. You know this is this is a very competitive league. So I I feel like if this team came away even one one and one this week, I I still feel like you got to look at this and go. This was a very positive month for Minnesota. I think you just got to go by how they're playing. You know, they're playing well, and they're not getting results. Um, well, they'll get the results eventually, but I just um, – you just don't want them – if they're going to lose a game, you don't want them to lose because they're breaking down on defense or not getting good goaltending or offense isn't producing. You just 
you know, if they're playing well, then you just figure, well, okay, they'll be fine. They just got a little bit of a tough patch. So I think that's key. Just focus on your own game, and if you play your own game the way you're supposed to, things have a way of working out. Well, as we head uh, to this week, Philadelphia and Buffalo coming to town on uh, Thursdays and, and Saturday. I'm sure you'll be out at least one of those games, if not both of those contests. So tell us, Kevin, in, a, in, a, uh, in your history here with the Minnesota Wild, who, who's the team that you dislike the most out of those? Buffalo and Philadelphia, who, who's, the, who's the bigger enemy of Kevin Luco? Uh, by far Philadelphia, because they, I remember them back when they were the Broad Street Bullies, and going back to my North Star days, I remember the North Stars had a pretty nice run in the 1979-1980 season, but then they ran up against Philadelphia, and Philadelphia put them away in five games, and although there was that bright spot when Philadelphia had like one of the longest some winning undefeated streaks in NHL history. They came to Minnesota, and the North Stars put an end to that with like a 7 to nothing thrashing of the Flyers. So, But um, I just, Philadelphia, I always will still remember the Broadstreet Bullies days. And, yeah, so of, of those two teams, I have a little more resentment towards Philadelphia, and I just know how Philadelphia fans are in other sports, and I imagine they're just as bad in hockey, so... Always nice to knock anything down Philadelphia-related a couple notches. That's a great way to end the segment. Kevin Luco, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure.